0: You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with J&J. Well, welcome. I don't know what time of day you're listening to this podcast. I will say all three stages. Good morning, good afternoon, and good, good evening. evening. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us. We're going to let you know a little bit more about Jonathan. Oh. <laughs> Are you ready, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, I'm an Aries. <laughs> I do not live my life by a horoscope. Sorry. Okay.
0: Well, that was not the information I was expecting to reveal. He just cracked open a Coke Zero. I'm sure you can't hear that.
1: Yeah. I'm but really into the Coke Zero.
0: Coke Zero is better than Diet Coke.
1: Yeah. You know, I used to be really against this kind of stuff, but something about the zero uh, the zero percentages all down the board kind of appealed to me. It. The
0: 10 or 5 calories you get from a diet soda isn't what makes the difference for me. No. I just feel like whether it's Coke Zero, <clears throat> Sprite Zero, mm. they all taste better than a diet than a drink. Diet. Yeah. diet has a nasty aftertaste. Yeah.
1: And people might disagree with this. We might. We're not going to get into the health debate over aspartame, but-
0: Honest- yes. Honestly, I wasn't going to reveal the information that oh. you're an Aries or that you like diet soda. I was going to mention the maybe well-known fact, maybe not well-known fact that you're a worship leader.
1: Yes. And you've been a worship leader for how long? Um, ooh, good question. I've been on the worship team for a number of years. I think, I think I'm going on five or six years now as, as the main. Wow. Maybe you long. know better than I do. It could be about five or six years. Wait, no, no, sorry. It's about four years. I think I took it over right as I got married, 2017.
0: Yeah, but been on the worship team for over 10. Yeah. Was part of a youth worship team?
1: Yeah, I was on the youth worship team. I played the drums for youth group for a long time when I was in high school, school. You've written your own songs? I've written a few. Yeah, they're not really out to the public. They're just kind of saved on my phone. Sometimes I sing them at church every once in a while.
0: And this is something that's also in your sangre, which is a Spanish in word my blood. for blood. Because <laughs> yeah. your father was also yeah. a worshiper yeah. by heart.
1: Yes, he was. And my sister is. She oh, lives wow. worship in Salt Lake. So, well, yeah, it's in the jeans, um, which reminds me of a joke, but I should probably not say it. Um.
0: <laughs> I'll say it for you.
1: <laughs> say it.
0: Did you know that diarrhea
1: is... Diarrhea? I well,
0: I, I miss <laughs> said diarrhea. that word because I'm a little nervous about sharing this joke, but I'm
1: going to do it anyways.
0: Di- did you know that diarrhea is hereditary? No, I did not.
1: Why? It runs in the genes. Uh. <laughs>
0: we digress. Yeah,
1: we definitely digress. Um, yeah, that yeah that popped into my head. I'm sorry. Anyways, yeah, it is in the genes, not the diarrhea, but the, the, uh, the bent to worship God and uh, be a worship leader, like just running in the family. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I am actually going to talk just a little bit about worship today. If you've ever been to our church, then I've had the honor and the privilege of being able to teach from time to time. And I have taught on worship. And there's a lot about that subject. It's an amazing subject. It's something that we're all called to do. Um, and I don't have enough time in this 30-minute window to really talk about all there is to do in, in worship. But um, I have a, just a few points here. And really, um, well, we'll just talk about worship for just a second. Um, by definition, worship is really ascribing worth to something or someone. Um, but true, worship is also a matter of the heart. So you you need to feel it. It can't just be ritualistic. It's not something that you just come to church on a Sunday morning and you participate and then you go home as a ritual. Can't just be like an external going through the motions. So true worship really is, I believe it's heartfelt. It's it's a heart birthed expression um really of love and adoration and admiration um and celebration really. There's a lot of words, all the the shuns
0: uh, <laughs>
1: of God and who he is. Mm-hmm. And so really I'm getting a phone call. I just got to make sure it's not my bus. It's not. We're good to go. So really worship. Um, I've heard a minister talk about this. Um, I think it was Mark Hankins, and I might be misquoting him a little bit, but he said like your, your level of praise and worship of God is directly tied to your level of revelation mm. of him. So knowing him. So the, the more you know God, the more you are inclined to worship him because you see the facets of his goodness and his love. So if you have a very limited knowledge of God, you can have a very limited worship experience.
0: To know him is to love him. Amen. And as we get to know him, we have an expression of love, which worship is an expir- not an expiration. Of love.
1: <laughs> worship shouldn't expire. right? It's like a canned good, right? It's, it's an good. expression of love. Yeah. It's good for the long haul. Yep. Like some canned corn. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, sir. So I just want to talk just a little bit about worship. I know a lot of the people listening to this podcast come on a Sunday and they get to be a part of worship. Um, And maybe you're listening to this and you don't go to the church or you don't get to, you know, you don't experience that worship. Um, I just want to. Just talk a little bit about it. So the uh, worship again—it's describing worth to something. And if you didn't know this, everybody—it's kind of in your nature to worship something or some or someone. And sometimes we don't even realize this. But you could be a Christian, a non-Christian. Every human being was designed to worship, and they do worship something. So um, let's look at maybe a group of sports fans, Broncos fans. Right? They're doing absolutely terrible right now. They started out hot; it was exciting. And they kind of find I like had high hopes,
0: pattern. high hopes at three, and zero. yeah, those they, hopes have dwindled at three and
1: two or three yeah, and three. Yeah, they have now turned into the field goal Broncos. It's like, oh, just kick another field goal. Anyways, let's just talk about Broncos fans for a second, because no matter how bad they're doing, the Broncos fans are there. You know, they're, they're showing, showing up to mile high. Their worship is not expiring.
0: Remember the barrel man?
1: <laughs> the barrel man at mile high. Didn't he pass away? He's 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 gone. He's gone. But. He's with them. I dare
0: to say he may have been worshiping the Broncos. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So you know, sports fans, Broncos fans, watching, talking about a about a game, they worship, right? You, it's you, you think it's weird? You think it's only tied to religious sectors? But ascribing worth to something, these people paint their faces, they buy the memorabilia and the merchandise, they buy the tickets, they show up faithfully, and they shout and they yell and they scream. They're ascribing worth to the Broncos, right? Um, a group of teenagers at a concert, right? A One Direction concert. Oh, wow. A lot of worshiping going on there <laughs> in the wrong sense of the of the word, right? We, uh, we readily worship uh, food, sports, arts, music. We worship comfort, control, anything we're ascribing worth to, right? I ascribe a lot of worth to comfort sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're not careful, you let that stuff get out of hand. So we as- ascribe worth to um, comfort, control, power, achievement, um, work, money, relationships, right? Those are all things that we want to ascribe worth to, but God calls us to worship him. He actually commands it and he He desires it. He pursues it. And to be honest, he actually deserves it. Amen. Amen. Right? He deserves it. And here's the cool thing about worship. He deserves it, but he also rewards it. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So God bestows his um, His provision, his grace, Um, his power on those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's not only something that he deserves and desires, but he commands it. So I should probably learn what that is. So um, worship, again, I'm reiterating, ascribing worth to something. It's saying, hey, God, you are worth it. And if you don't think God is worth it, then you probably have a very limited knowledge of him. And I would I would uh, um, encourage you to dive into the word a little bit more, come to church, learn a little bit more about who God is and how good he is, and then it will become easier and easier to ascribe worth to him.
0: It seems like you're mentioning the word worth a lot, but I'm also thinking of value. Could you also yes, say that? And we've, absolutely. We've been taught that you really determine what you value by what you give your time, attention, and resources. Um, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's how I remember it. Yeah. tar. T A R. Tar. Time, yeah. attention, resources. So absolutely,
1: it's what you value, and so um, we could get into great detail about worship is what worship is because it's not it's not necessarily music or what we do on a Sunday morning with the songs. It's really a lifestyle. But uh, I want to talk specifically about when we come together and we worship in song and in Him and how that how that experience goes and what it should really actually produce in you so again if you're coming and you're just showing up and you're going through the motions and you leave unchanged then you haven't really participated in the worship experience because i said god rewards worship so there is something that will happen inside of you when you participate in the worship experience
0: and to come and not experience the outflow of a Worship experience is something Jesus warned of because he told the Pharisees, you honor me with your mouth and you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So if we don't know what the right expression and revelation of a worshiper is, we are more um, apt to fall prey to a heart that's distant from God, even going through the motions of the expression of a Sunday worship service. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we are all called to worship. I know you might be listening to this podcast and you think, man, I have a terrible voice. That's fine. That's why I'm up there as I help lead you. <laughs> I mean, not to say that I have a great voice, but um, I'm there to help lead you. And one of the, um, you know, one of the the characteristics of a good worship leader is to take people on a journey. And that journey is into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. I thought you were mm-hmm. going to say something else.
0: I was just going to say, and that's why the speakers are loud in church. So you can hear <laughs> Jonathan when you sing and you think you sound <laughs> like Jonathan.
1: Yeah, we, we, we crank them like to a hundred decibels on purpose. So you don't hear your voice. You just hear me through you and you sound good,
0: but God hears our (laughs) voice and he hears our heart. So let's hear about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, so anyways, um, if you choose not to worship God, you got to understand that you are worshiping something else. So, it's it's really prioritizing, and, and and if God's not in that first-place position of worship, something else by default is going to take that.
0: What you're that saying is there's no, I don't worship God, but I'm not worshiping anything. But no. you are going to be worshiping yes. something.
1: Yeah, and just if you feel uncomfortable singing in church and actually p- placing value on Him and participating because you're uncomfortable, what you've just said is, I am now worshiping the false god of comfortability mm-hmm. right you're ascribing worth to your comfort zone more so than god and that's a i would say that that's probably not a good thing
0: your right? inability to worship <laughs> god just proves that you've cast your worship on something else
1: yeah so whether you worship like i said comfortability maybe you worship your job achievements money another type of person you're doing so to your detriment um, cause at some point the object of your worship is going to fail you and it's going to let you down. So it's really good to, if you're going to worship, worship the one person who is faithful and consistent for all of eternity, which would be God, our creator, Jesus, our Lord. He's not going to fail you. So it's very, it's very good idea to ascribe worth and worship and value the one person who won't let you down. Amen. So here's what happens in the worship experience. And I want to estriliate it. That is not a word illustrate it. Australia.
0: Made me think of the land down under.
1: <laughs> I'm going to Australia at it, mate. <laughs> All right. We're going to illustrate what happens when we worship, uh, we, when we look, look at the worship experience of one of God's prophets um, recorded in Isaiah um, chapter six. This is one of my favorite verses. So I'm going to read it real quick. Um, uh, verses one through four. So this is Isaiah talking and he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That's, that's a awesome depiction that's powerful mm-hmm. um so this is what happened this is so he was in the presence of the lord so really when you when we worship we enter into his presence and we experience god and this is what happens when you're in the presence of god so let's break this down a little bit so in the worship experience when you're worshiping the first thing i believe that needs to happen is that you look up and if you're you're probably listening to this while you're driving so don't take notes take mental notes maybe first thing that happens in the worship experience is it should cause you to look up so first worship brings an upward look a glance at god on his throne it says i saw the lord seated on the throne so when you worship you should be having your eyes fixed on him a glance at god in his throne and all of his glory what it does is worship refocuses our view of god it pulls our affections off of our idols, and it puts them back onto God. And it causes us to remember how good he is and how big and kind and powerful and loving and holy he really is. So when we engage in worship, first and foremost, we sh- it should be bringing our attention onto him and seeing how good and amazing he is. It's an upward look.
0: It makes me think of Abraham, who Abraham went to a new land that he didn't know. Took his uh, brother-in-law with him. Yep. And brother-in-law got the best part of the land. did. And it just started looking bad. Natural circumstances looked bad. And what did God have him do? He had him come out of his tent and look up at the stars at the sky. Come out of your tent. And I feel like we often just want God to get on our level and get our perspective. But newsflash, pal, God already (laughs) knows the way we think and his thoughts are higher. And he already proved that he can come down to our level. Because that's exactly that's what, what he did, did with Jesus. So his primary goal primary goal right now is not for uh, him to fellowship with us on our level. It's to help us get to his level. Mm. And that's what changes us. Um, God knows our perspective. Our perspective isn't going to change us. His perspective is going to change that's us. Good. Say it again. Our perspective isn't going <laughs> to change us. His perspective is going to change you can us. Say that again. <laughs> Our perspective isn't going to change us. His perspective is going to change
1: us. That's three times. That's finality. Look right up, there. folks. Look up. So that's the first thing it should really cause you to do. And I want to backtrack real quick because I always like sharing this. It's just a cool little nugget. And I never I, I learned this from the young adults leader who um, back in the day Elizabeth, Elizabeth Dow. Elizabeth Dow. At the time it was Elizabeth Wanowski. don't ask me how to spell it (laughs) how do you say your name uh and she did a study on this verse and when it says that i saw the lord seated on the throne high exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple this is where it gets really cool and interesting i love this point it gives me goosebumps and you maybe you've heard me say it in church before but i just love this so back in those times when kings um would defeat other kings and territories, um, they would take over their land, they would take all their spoils, and what they would do is they would take the train or the robe of the king they defeated and they would attach it to their robe, okay, as a symbol of victory. So when they would come back home and they would have processional parades, you know, victory parades, the king would put on his garment and how long it was was determined by how many kings that, that guy defeated. So if he had like a 30-foot train, he'd probably you know, he probably defeated 10 or 15 kings because he would attach those defeated king's robes to his. So when it says the train of his robe fills the temple, it's because he's defeated everything. Jesus has defeated everything. And so... His robe is so long because he's defeated death, hell in the grave. He's defeated sickness. Anything that tries to reign over your life, Jesus has already defeated. So he's attached that to his robe. And it's so much that it fills the entire temple. His robe is that long because he's defeated everything. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. It that gives me goosebumps. Anyways, um, that was for free. This whole podcast is for free. Um, <laughs> so first thing in the worship experience, it should cause you to look up. Secondly, it should cause you to look in. So worship brings an inward look. Let's uh, read verses five through seven. Um, it says this, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. That was verses five through seven. So when you see God for who he really is, as Isaiah did, you you really start to see yourself for who you really are, right? You start seeing things in your own heart and in your own life um, that maybe didn't even bother you before. See, worship kind of what you do in worship is you become vulnerable and open before God. And in that vulnerability, you start discovering things about yourself that you didn't even know. Some things come up, you're like, man, I didn't know I was dealing with that. And that's a good opportunity to start dealing with that stuff, things that maybe didn't necessarily bother you before. But you notice that after Isaiah saw and confessed his sinfulness, he also experienced the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness of God. That's what happens when you, when you really worship, right? You become vulnerable before, before God. You have an inward look. You reflect. You see the things that need to change. You give them to God, and he extends grace and mercy and forgiveness, right? He said, woe is me. I'm unclean. And he said, hey, guess what? Your sins are atoned for and your guilt is taken away.
0: I just really like the fact that step one was look up mm-hmm. and then step two is look in. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people want to do a deep soul dive without first yeah. getting to know God. Yeah, I don't think it's a mistake that it starts off with looking up before looking in. You can't have a proper view of God. A proper view of God is the only way to have a proper view of yourself. Of yourself.
1: That's good. <laughs> You can say that again.
0: I tried to say it right the first time (laughs) (laughs) I got tongue tied I was like, man, but all right, I'll have a second try. A proper view of God is the only way to have a proper view of yourself.
1: Start with him,
0: then go to you.
1: Absolutely. So his worship experience didn't end there. So you notice if you keep reading in this passage of scripture, Isaiah's inward look is really followed by an outward look. And this would be step three, look out. This is verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So genuine worship always leads to an outward look. It's a personal response or action. It's a desire to really be obedient um, to whatever God calls you to do. Right. So when you experience that, first you're looking at God, then you're looking at yourself inwardly, and then... It garners a response. Is that a word? Garner, right? Garner's a response.
0: I want to say garnish, but I don't garnish, think we're no. talking about celery. Or no, we're not talking about parsley. Cilantro on yeah.
1: top of a soup. <laughs> Although that's Garner. Good, yeah. It garners a response. Let me know if that's a real word. I don't know how you're going to let me know. Maybe come to me in, in person.
0: I'm okay if they put a review on Apple and they add that in the review. <laughs>
1: Great podcast, but that was not the right word. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, but it garners a response. Genuine worship isn't just singing songs, getting a good feeling in your heart. Genuine worship is seeing God for who he really is, his power, uh, his greatness, his holiness, his sovereignty, his love, his compassion, and then it's purifying yourself and then giving him what he's worth, what he's worth, the best of your time, your talents, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, true worship is really seeing afresh a fresh or a new, the tremendous worth of God and in response, giving him the best of you, right? Worship should always lead to you giving something to him. You know, you, if you look at kind of the, the old school version of worship or like maybe even just um, someone who doesn't understand biblical worship at all. If you ask them to to as, you know, to describe worship, they'd probably say like, uh, you know, there's an altar and then you give a sacrifice, um, which is Absolutely true. It should be a experience where you see God for what he's done in his sacrifice, but it causes you to put your life on the altar as a response and to go out, right? So those are the three steps, looking up to God, looking in and seeing what in you needs to change, and then looking out to the world around you. because. At the end of the day, if we just have a good worship experience in church, we say those are great songs and we go out and nothing happens. We weren't truly worshiping because when you get in the presence of God, you're going to see him for who he is. It's going to change you and cause you to go out into your world and do something, do something useful,
0: right? I'm just thinking again of the order of these, and I think our natural bent is to go three, two, one, instead of what you communicated mm. as one, two, three. Mm. We like to look out at our situations, our circumstances, look at how they're affecting us, and then just like, God, are you even here? But, and to give an example of that, look at Elijah, who was suffering in the kingdom under... Uh, Jezebel Mm -hmm. and Ahab, and he said, I'm the only prophet, and it's so rough for me. And look at what the nation's like and God. But really, the best way to do it is to look at God, Mm -hmm. see who He is, see who you are in Him, and then see the
1: response
0: that you're called to live out. Mm. That's good. Go one, two,
1: three. Don't go three, two, one. Yeah, do not go three, two, one. This is not a countdown like launching the SpaceX rocket. Although that is cool, this is counting up. One, two, three. <laughs> when it comes to when this. you count up, and the points is actually going down because you're looking up to him first, then in, oh, then out. So it's actually creating like a like an L, you know, up, in, out.
0: I don't know where we're at. What am before. I saying? But thank you. I've been getting yeah, revelation.
1: So yeah, you know what. On, on Sunday mornings, you know, I, obviously I'm leading worship. I get to look out on the crowd and, I, you know, I don't want to pass judgment, but there's a lot of people in a lot of various stages in life and their worship experience. I want to encourage you, if you come on Sunday or wherever you're going to church, think about these three things, um, because, you know, the worship leader's job is to bring you into the presence of God and then help you have that true worship experience where you get to first and foremost, you have got to it's. You know, I, I remember one of our old worship leaders used to be my our our youth pastor. He would say that worship really is a is kind of a vertical experience, and um, it's really about you focusing on him. It's not necessarily always about what he does for you. And we sing a lot of songs about how good he is to us, and it's amazing. But we got to first start with how awesome and holy he is. So it starts there, um, and then again the inward look, and then the outward look. Um, but I'll just say this: I only got a few minutes. I might ruffle some feathers, but. Um, if you actually look into like the Hebrew words for praise, you know, there's a, a lot of them, but like there's barak, right? And yada and chaliah or there's a couple different None words.
0: None of us know if you're telling the truth or not. You could be looking up look, words. Look
1: them up. The Hebrew words for praise, and they actually, by definition, talk about lifting your hands and shouting. Um, I believe the word barak actually means to rave about God. So I can't silently rave, right? You ever been to a silent rave? You ever been to a rave? Probably not. But (laughs) (laughs) raving just means you're so ecstatic and excited about something. You're just promoting them. You're boasting about them. And you can't do that silently. You you know what I love about what you're saying? What? Is that... It creates
0: a whole response yes. because those that worship God must worship him in spirit and, and in, in truth. truth, but they must connect with their heart, which the heart is the seat of the soul right. and spirit. But you're saying the word for praise is involves mm-hmm. your physical flesh it
1: involves your physical flesh those words oh, go ahead because
0: that's why it's a sacrifice because you're giving all of that you yeah. are to god all in that moment the things
1: that you're uncomfortable with you still got to give it to him so when people say i'm worshiping god in my heart brother i understand what you're saying and but in all reality that's not true this true worship and praise is going to have an outward reflection and outward action those words look them up look up hebrew words for praise and they all have to do with shouting and yelling and lifting your hands and raving and boasting. And last time I checked, it's impossible to raise your hands without raising your hands, mm-hmm. right? It's impossible to, to not yell and, and to exalt and to praise um, without actually doing it. It's not something that you just do on the inside. It's something that is expressed through action on the outside. So hopefully I'm not ruffling too many feathers and calling you out, but you know, I look for that on a on a, on a a Sunday morning because uh, I know, I mean, if something's truly taking place in your heart, it, it's
0: going it, to have its reflection in your life. It
1: has its reflection in your life. That sounds like the definition of grace, <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about praise right now. So think about that. Think about that next time you come in to worship because um, that's what I'm trying to get you, man. I just want you to experience God in his fullness and have it change you.
0: Right. You're not doing it for your benefit as a worship leader. You're wanting them to experience what you've already experienced in God's presence so they can have that benefit in their
1: life. And you can experience that whether you know how to hold a tune or play an instrument or not. God loves all forms of worship. And let me say this. Your response in
0: worship affects another person's response in worship. Your obedience to lift your voice, raise your hands, whether you can sing good or not, influences the person next to you their experience in worship. We've been talking about the corporate anointing in Mm -hmm. a church. You don't just hold your experience back. You can hold somebody else's experience back by your response.
1: Yeah. So whether you know it or not, you're being influential. And I think we talked about this in a podcast way back, right? Mm -hmm. One of the first few that you don't have the choice on whether to be influential or not. You're always influencing somebody, whether negatively or positively. And I want my worship experience to positively influence someone else and help kickstart their experience. Because that's a sad reality. Sometimes people won't jump in the river unless they see someone mm-hmm. jump in first. And I want to be a catalyst. And that's, kind of, that's part of the reason why I'm up on the stage. If you can see me jumping in, hopefully it encourages you to jump in.
0: I say this in youth, give somebody else the opportunity to go second. You determine to go first and give them the blessing of the opportunity to follow you and go second.
1: That's good. Man. Look up, look in, look out. Hopefully that helps you. Hopefully it blesses you. And don't let your worship expire, right? <laughs> let <laughs> yeah. your worship inspire other people. Right? Can't corn worship. Can't corn worship. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. I think this is a great time to share the wisdom of the day. And for me, it's the one, two, three not the three, two, one. And mm-hmm. I know there was a bunch of stuff that you added on out here, but <laughs> let me just communicate what I'm saying. Often we come into worship carrying our burden of the day and we think of how that's affecting us and we tell God why we can't worship in that moment. Mm-hmm. Go one, two, three, worship God, Watch how that influences you, and then look to others. And I'm so glad Pastor Tasha has us greet people after we've worshipped for a bit, because that changes the game. Go ahead. What's (laughs) your wisdom of the day?
1: Yeah, there'd be a lot less um, friendly greetings if we had to switch the order. My wisdom of the day is something that you said. Um, In order to get a proper viewpoint of yourself, you got to get a proper view of God, because really, your identity is in Him, and He shows you who you are. And uh, even if he points out the flaws, it's out of love and he wants to get those things out of you um, so you can become closer to him. Um, And that's the beautiful thing about correction. It is an act of love, right? So in order to get a proper view of yourself, you have to have a proper view of him. That's my wisdom of the day. And with that, would you want to pray?
0: I will absolutely pray. All right, let's do it. Father God, I thank you so much that you are who you are and you are truly the only one who deserves our worship. And God, we can't live a life without worshiping something. And we take the value of our choice and we put our worship on you. We uh, put our value, our time, attention, and resources on you. We look to you. We look to how you've changed our life and we seek to change the world. And with that, we say we love you and we do worship you today. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you all for tuning in and out. Next week is going to be good. Make sure you tune in that week as well. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to drink my Coke Zero. All right. Goodbye.